world. Your past first point guard and Trail Blazers reporter Mike Richmond, you are listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. So why not make this show your first listen every single day? It's coming at you every single weekday, free on every platform where you could possibly find it. Make it a part of your daily routine. Tell your pals to do the same. Then you'll have something to chat about by the time you get to lunch. We got a lot to chat about today, and you, a lot of uh, arming you with a bunch of information in today's show, so you can go out into the world and be an expert for two days until uh, until free agency begins. But but the conceit of today's show is is how can the Trailblazers get better in free agency, and it is essentially a free agency primer. Uh, free agency begins. It's already begun behind the scenes, but it begins when the clock strikes 3 p.m. out here on June 30th. That's Thursday in the middle of the afternoon or late afternoon, depending on when you go to bed. Um, 6 Eastern time, but welcome to the West Coast. That's prime time. Prime time for them is 3 Eastern for us. So on June 30th, it's go time. Free agency begins. Sort of. Uh, It's actually the beginning of the moratorium period. Teams can agree to deals and agree to signings and agree to, to many transactions, but no one will put pen to paper until... immediately after midnight on July 6th. So you get six full days of the moratorium period. It is basically the built-in tampering period. To be clear, teams and agents and players have been discussing free agency and trades and player movements since December. (laughs) Maybe before that. Uh, Many of these things are already hashed out, but the league doesn't want the appearance of that being the case, so they create this moratorium period. The moratorium period is, is, is allowed for, you know, agreements but not contracts to be signed. It allows for negotiating of things like sign and trade so they don't, um, so it looks a little better for the league that there's like this built-in window of legal tampering as opposed to the, all of the, um, you know, whatever, purportedly illegal tamper, tampering that happens all friggin' season long. Some of it player-to-player stuff you just can't really police. The other sort of behind-the-scenes agent team stuff is just the way the league works, for better or for worse, uh, to be clear, probably for worse. Uh, so everything that happens, you know, beginning on June 30th when the newsbreakers and newsbrokers of the league start tweeting out, um, you know, all the deals, it's it's a really fun time. Like, it's an incredibly exciting time, and, and it's, you know, reshaping all these, all these rosters across the league, and you know, some stuff we've been waiting for that'll finally happen and some stuff that we that we have, have no idea will happen. Always um, surprises pop up, but... Uh, most of these will just be agreements. Agree to sign a contract that will then happen July 6th or after, depending on how order of operations works to kind of make the money work for each team. But there's a couple things that can happen during during free agency. Uh, first round picks can sign their sign their contract. So Shaden Sharp could officially sign with the Blazers uh, beginning, at, you know, start of the gun at, at, at June 30th um, at 3 Pacific time. That's the, June 30th is the end of the league year. The new league year starts July 1st. So that's kind of... Uh, you know, contracts roll over and all those things and, and guarantee dates for the latest guarantee dates anybody has is this week. Um, you know, some, some decisions like Bradley Beal's decision and, and Kyrie Irving's decision to pick up player options. He's like, you know, big money deals. They've, um, 
they have basically until Wednesday to figure it out, and then um, things will start in earnest for free agency. The moratorium for free agency will begin on Thursday, June June thirtieth. But a couple things can happen. Shane Sharp can sign his rookie contract. That's a contract you can act, you can sign. It's um, a salary slot. You're just agreeing to what percent of the salary slot. Every rookie gets 125 percent of their salary slot. Every first round rookie that is gets 125 percent of their salary slot unless something very strange happens. So like the money is already there. Shane Sharp can sign that and become a officially become a member of the NBA. Uh, also, offer sheets for restricted free agents. That means if another team wants to poach Anthony Simons during the moratorium, they could sign Anthony Simons to an offer sheet, which would trigger the Blazers uh, 48 hours to match that offer sheet. Uh, restricted free agency is f- for players coming off a rookie deal if they are extended a qualifying offer by their team, or maybe let's make it simpler. Typically, every first-round rookie coming off the rookie deal will enter restricted free agency. Nearly every dang one of them, all the particularly the good ones. That means the team, if they're a restricted free agent, has their incumbent team has the right to match an offer. And so there's this formal offer sheet session to to sign a restricted guy uh, to an offer sheet gives them the, the team that chance to make that decision, um, and sort of like tr- triggers the clock going. I don't anticipate it will happen happen with Anthony Simons. I don't think I think he'll just agree to with the Blazers, and it won't it won't be a problem out there in the world. But conceivably, another team could put the Blazers on the clock by signing Anthony Simons to a uh, to a contract. So basically, you know, first round picks offer sheets for restricted free agents. Everything else is an agreement during the during the moratorium period. So that means from June 30th through the through July 5th, you get a long super fun weekend of of, you know, of player movements and agreements. Uh typically these agreements don't backfire. There's, you know, one very notorious case where DeAndre Jordan had agreed to sign with the Mavs and then his, the Clippers locked him in his house and said, we're not going to let uh, Mark Cuban find you and convince you to leave. And you're going to come back to Los Angeles and all that. But typically these agreements go through, they're agreed to in moratorium and signed shortly thereafter, July 6th, when things start. The Blazers could be players in free agency in theory. They have a theoretical path to having cap space. And in fact, you may read places where it says that the Blazers have cap space, either, you know, X and X, $8 million in cap space or a path to create $35 million in cap space. And they do, like they do. They have that. That's true. They have that. But the Blazers are going to operate as a team without cap space. They're going to operate as a team that is above the salary cap line, but below the luxury tax line. And they're going to do that because that is their best path forward to improving the team. It gives them the best tools to improve the team. Uh, the salary cap hasn't been finalized, but it's going to come in right around 122 million. The luxury tax line is going to come in at 149 million. The Blazers are going to stay in that range, at least for now. Uh, you can hope later on this summer they're a tax bank team because it means they're committed to being competitive. But for now, they're going to be operated as an above the cap team. That's their best path forward. And they're going to try to improve their team using the tools given to teams that are above the salary cap. What are those tools? Let's talk about it in the second segment. How can the Blazers get better? What are the specific tools that they have to get better? And why is it advantageous for them to operate as a team above the salary cap line? Let's let's talk about that in the second segment. But first... Let me tell you about rockauto.com, the family business specializing in helping do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. That's right. If you're working on your car, you can save time and money from a company that has two decades of experience helping you do exactly that. Real money. We're talking 
30, 50, 100 percent more than if you're uh, then you'll spend 30, 50, 100 percent more if you're going to the chain auto parts store or if you're going to a car dealership. They just they can't stock all the all the parts available for all the makes and models on the road. And if they do, they're just going to be more expensive. So don't waste your time. Don't waste your money. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. And then while you're there, make sure you write locked on in their how did you hear about us box. That way they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right. The Portland Trailblazers, when the clock starts on June 30th, are going to operate as, a, as an over-the-cap team heading into free agency. They're not going to get into the cap space game. They had some avenues to do that, but things done changed. Here's what changed. Uh, one, the Blazers have acquired uh, Jeremy Grant or agreed to acquire Jeremy Grant. The, the trade is not official as I'm recording this right now on Monday evening, but they've agreed to acquire Jeremy Grant. Uh, and, and to do so, they haven't sent out any money and they're going to use their traded player exception they received from the CJ McCollum deal to absorb Jeremy Grant's money into their absorb his contract in the trade like that's the tool they're using they're not going to match salaries they're just going to use that tpe it fits perfectly like less than ten thousand dollars uh from to perfectly acquire to absorb uh grant's money add him to the team it's it's um seems pretty intentional that they created exactly that tpe uh but if you dip below the, uh, if you become a cap team, like if you if you operate as a below the cap team at any point, you lose those exceptions. The Blazers aren't going to do that. As soon as they traded for Jeremy Grant, that was out the window. They're not. They're not. There's no reason or no path for them to be a team that operates below the cap. Also, they let Josh Hart's contract guarantee. One of the few ways that they were going to like create real cap space was, you know, conceivably waive use of Nurkic and Josh Hart and create $35 million and chase a Brad Beal or a Zach Levine. That always seemed crazy. There was no reason for them to do that, but that path is now off the table. They are not going to be players in free agency in that manner. It doesn't mean that they can't sign players. It just means they won't use salary cap money to do so or cap space to do so. They will Will not, they aren't going to create meaningful cap space. They aren't going to create any cap space. So they're not going to use cap space to sign players. So you might ask, Michael, what what the heck? And you call me Michael because you're like formal or formal. You're like my grandma or something. Um, you, my Michael, uh, my grandma's always curious about the taxpayer mid-level exception. Uh, and you'll say, Michael, how are they going to sign someone with without cap space? And I'll tell you, they have the main tools they have are the mid-level exception, non-taxpayer mid-level exception, which is a contract starting at $10.3 million that can be up to four up to four years with 5% uh, raises. So you're talking like a, f- a four for 44 type contract. That's that's the largest contract. That's the full MLE. If you hand that out, um, that's, that's the Blazers tool that they have. They also have something that's called the biannual exception, which is exactly what it sounds like, something you can use every other year. But uh, if you use the biannual exception, you'll be hard-capped. And hard-capped means that you cannot, for any reason, go over $155 million in salary over the year, over the season. I don't think the Blazers will hard-cap themselves. Seems very, very unlikely that they would choose to hard-cap themselves. So uh, they probably won't use the BAE. So you're talking about the mid-level exception. Uh, the mid-level exception, like I said, that $10 million contract, that's year one. It can be a multi-year deal. Um, if you use all of it, if you if you use the full MLE, you are also hard-capped. So look for the Blazers to use most if you're rooting for them if you're rooting for them to be as competitive as possible most of the mle you might be asking mike because now we're friends because you have explained this part to you so now we're a little more informal and you're saying mike uh what who are some mle targets who are some mid-level targets because i know that that's you know heading into thursday who can they get is on the top of your mind and i'll tell you who they can get 
the names are pretty obvious. It's names that everybody's going to be after, and that's one of the problems. It's If they're looking for forward upgrades, guys like Kyle Anderson from Memphis. It's Otto Porter Jr. who's going to be leaving Golden State. Uh, TJ Warren, who's missed uh, you know chunks of two seasons, basically all of two seasons, leaving the potentially leaving the Indiana Pacers. It's a, a personal favorite of mine, Thad Young, uh, veteran lefty and one of the all-time one of the all-time very goods. If there was a hall of very good, Thad Young would be at the freaking front of it. He's been very good for a while. Um, he's the type of guy who, you know, he might not take the full MLE, but some money beyond, um, you, you might have to pay, pay for Thad Young services because he's pretty darn good. Um, if you're looking for bigs, because the Blazers, and we'll talk about this more later in the show, the Blazers need bigs. Like they need to get they desperately, desperately need to get bigger. So you have the MLE. It's 10.3 million bucks in that first year of the contract. And who could they target with the MLE? Well, it's, it's names you know, like Chris Boucher of Oregon Ducks fame, who's uh, from Montreal and currently playing for the Raptors. Shout out to Montreal. Uh, uh, it's it's Bobby Portis who could conceivably leave Milwaukee for a larger payday. He kind of took um, like a... a slight pay cuts, not even a slight pay cut, a legitimate pay cut to stay with the Bucks. And if he wants to go cash in because your window to cash in, uh, he's probably looking at this summer more MLE money or maybe MLE roughly money, which would be about double his salary. So it'd be an upgrade for him for sure. Um, $10 million, nothing to scoff at, even if you're making $6 million. Uh, Bobby Portis would be a pretty darn good fit here and a really a easy and fun player to root for. So you get you get your Chris Boucher's, you get your Bobby Portis's, you can get Mo Bamba. Uh, really curious what Mo Bamba's market is. Um, he's probably, he is a, in theory a restricted free agent, but the reporting from John Hollinger of The Athletic suggests that it is really unlikely that Bamba um, re-signs with the Magic or, or gets a qualifying offer from the Magic because they just got a logjam of folks right there. They just signed Paolo Bancaro. They still have Wendell Carter. Also, Mo Bamba hasn't been very good. So locking in, like choosing to pay him, you know, long-term money is maybe not, not their move. But he's 24 years old. He's gigantic. He can shoot a little bit from three. Um, he He's... He is, if nothing else, very big and intriguing. Um, I probably am not as big a Mobamba fan as uh, as many others out there. Shout out to my man Danny Morang. But uh, like, yeah, he he's mid level money is 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 probably what you're what you're hunting for if you're hunting for Mobamba. And my my personal favorite. This guy's climbed up my list after watching. Um, I, I might even categorize myself as like a straight up fan of the Clippers. They're a really fun team to watch this year. Um, I I enjoyed the uh, I enjoyed the Clippers all season long. And Isaiah Hartenstein is just he's such a good passer, and he's so big, and he's, he can be physical at his size. Um, also with Oregon roots, his dad Flo was was an Oregon Duck. Like I, I believe he was born in Eugene. Um, like the, the, he can play. Um, again, I don't know. I'm really curious what Mobamba's market is because of you know former high high draft pick, only 24 year olds, and Hartenstein like. Not a not a high draft pick, but had a really nice season. Um, permanent monster, Hartenstein, um, or Hartenstein's monster. If you're into it, uh, he's he's he, like he's going to get paid. I'm really curious to see what it is. So you know, those are eight names for you: forwards, Kyle Anderson, Otto Porter Jr., T.J. Warren, Thad Young, and the big spots: Chris Boucher, Bobby Portis, uh, Mobamba, and Isaiah Hartenstein. Here's the thing, and I want to be clear about the thing: the mid level exception is a tool. It is not a distinct advantage. It is a tool. The Blazers, and they won't do this because this is like a thing that the previous regime would have done. And I don't really want to spend a lot of time talking about what the previous regime might have, regime might have done. But like, it's not, a, it's not an advantage. It's a tool they have. But it's a tool that a large portion of the league has, including teams like the Boston Celtics. So if you are the Kyle Andersons of the world and you are choosing the same money 
um, it gets a little dicey. I think the Blazers have to be smart and have to be, if they can, you can break up the MLE and use, use portions of it to sign guys. You don't have to give all 10 million to somebody. You can, you know, you can break it up here and there to give guys like, you know, more than the minimum or more they would make somewhere else. Uh, but it's, they don't, it's, it's a tool that many teams in the league are going to have teams that are below the tax line and, uh, and, and above the salary cap line. That's that, that's that non-taxpayer MLE. Um, that's the Portland has some tools, but they're going to be picking from a relatively weak free agent class with pretty specific needs. And that like, sort of like versatile forward roles, like kind of, you know, good, good, it's good to be out of Porter Jr. And Kyle Anderson, um, because like, that's, that is the position that every team like clearly thinks that they need and do need. Like that's valuable two way wings, even if they're limited, somewhat limited on one side of the ball, that is absolutely um, what every team is after to add a role type player. And to be clear, mid-level money is for role type players. Um, You hope, guys outperform it, but that's, that's kind of what you're investing in is a role type player. Uh, Portland probably has one starting spot to offer. They've, so that's another thing working against them is they don't have a ton of playing time. They don't have a ton of championship proximity. They've got all of the other normal things that Portland is, you know, too wet, too white, too, too isolated to, uh, to attract NBA guys. And yet, and yet they have $10 million to offer and, and, uh, and playing time to be had and, um, a, a team that wants to intentionally be competitive. I don't mean to sell it like they have no hope. I, I was kind of leaning towards no hope. I, I don't. I don't mean that by any means. I do. I don't even think that. I just think that the this is a tool that they have that offers them a chance to upgrade the roster, but certainly um, in a weak free agent field, it doesn't give them a distinct advantage over other places that would have a distinct advantage. Blazers have some other tools. They have two traded player exceptions remaining. Another reason you stay over the over the um, well, you have to stay over the as an above the cap team is because you keep your exceptions, your mid level exception, and your traded player exceptions. When Portland traded Robert Covington to the to the uh, Los Angeles Clippers, uh, they created a six point five million dollar trade exception. When they traded Nikhil Alexander Walker, rerouted him from New Orleans to the Utah Jazz, they create a three point two million dollar uh, traded player exception or trade exception. I think is maybe the more accurate way to describe those. But how those works, how how TPEs work is. You can absorb one player into that using that TPE. It can't be combined. They can't combine them together. They can't be added to a trade to make the math work. It cannot be aggregated with anything else. They can be used on their own separately to absorb um, a, someone making less than six and a half million or less than three point two. Um, you know, you don't have to use all of it. So if you get someone making five million bucks, you can absorb them in there as well. But but the TPEs work as a like standalone absorb one contract type of item. Portland will have those as trade tools, as trade tools. Like they'll have, uh, you know, if they're not active in free, free agent market using the MLE, if then, and some veteran minimum deals, the TPEs will be how they're active in the off season. Uh, I wouldn't expect them to use both of the TPEs. The roster's a little crowded. We'll talk about that in the third segment. And also just in general, smaller traded player exceptions don't get used very often. The super large ones, like the one Boston created for the, uh, in the Gordon Hayward trade a couple years ago and the one the Blazers created in the CJ McCollum trade, those are more valuable because you can actually get like big, good and good and expensive players back. You know, if you have one that's, you know, north, you know, north of $20 million, it, it's, it's, much more easy to use. These smaller ones are are not typically not used as often because it doesn't offer the team like that salary relief they might specifically be after, and they'd rather have something back that isn't just you absorbing money. But um, you we'll see. Uh, Portland has you know they'll have a year to use those until the next trade deadline, and then they won't. They'll just be a tool on the tool belt. 
when free agency begins, I expect the Blazers to reach an agreement with the, the two of their biggest free, they're two big free agents. They've got other ones, but they're two big free agents that have sort of been long eyed to be here. They're going to sign Anthony Simons and Yusuf Nurkic early in free agency, reach an agreement. I wouldn't be surprised if it's, you know, 10 minutes into free agency or whatever it might be. Let's talk about adding Nurk, adding Ant back to this roster and where that leaves the Blazers, what they'll be looking like when, you know, when it's July 1st and they're still out to improve this roster. That's what we'll do in the third segment. But first, let me tell you about Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. They got more lines, more props, more odds than ever before, and it's everything. Uh, the NHL's done and the NBA's done, but summer sports here rolling along for you every single day. Um, Major League Baseball is rolling out games, and you can bet um, live betting, pregame betting, uh, player props, team props, whatever you're looking for. You're going to find action on MLB. You're going to find action on soccer here in North America with uh, Major League Soccer and the National Women's Soccer League. You're going to find boxing. You're going to find MMA. You're going to find UFC. You're going to find tennis. You're going to find golf. Whatever it might be, you'll find that action on Bet Online. And they got um, some, ins- if you sign up, you'll get some. Uh, content right there on their website, betonline.net, where you can become an informed, an informed better and win some money. So go in there, get smarter, get, you know, help out your wallet so you can do some fun stuff this summer. That's Bet Online, where the game starts. Still a pass, first point guard. I'm still Mike Richmond, and you are still listening to Locked on Blazers. When free agency begins on July 30th, July. On June 30th, this Thursday, Portland is going to reach agreements, I would expect, pretty quickly, unless something crazy happens with every Simons and use of Nurkic. This has always been the way this was heading. When the Blazers decide to shut down their players at the All-Star break, whether they were real injuries or fake, I'll let you choose that one. Uh, choose your own adventure on that one. But whether these were serious 25-game missing injuries or the type of moves you make when you're aggressively tanking to trace a draft pick, you know, whatever, whatever it might be, uh, it would always seemed if you're shutting these guys down, particularly Yusuf Nurkic, that you had some sort of wink, wink, handshake, backdoor deal that you will be part of our future plans, particularly for Nurk, someone who uh, durability and longevity has been a big bugaboo for him. Um, it's hard for me to imagine a scenario where Yusuf Nurkic doesn't try to play through an injury to prove while he's playing fantastic basketball to prove that he's just capable of playing a whole bunch of games entering his free agent year. I hard for me to imagine a scenario where that didn't happen. Um, I have, I've had it on pretty good authority that Nurk was c- capable of playing many, 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 many of those games. Uh, and because he didn't, it suggests that the Blazers had some sort of agreement for him to be back on the team. And when the Blazers went the route they did trading for Jeremy Grant, you know, using that trade player exception, not going the route where they were going to create a max uh, salary slot, which always, if you listen to this podcast, always seemed like a long shot when they chose not to do that. The most reasonable move for them is to bring back Yusuf Nurkic. I imagine he signs a three or four year, you know, multi-year, three or four year contract and gets a payday. I think he'll get a little bit of a pay raise. He's making $12 million each of the last four years. I imagine he'll be in that 15 to 17 range. Yusuf Nurkic, an above average center in the league. And when he's healthy and locked in, a really, really good defensive player. One of the great drive deters in the game. Not much of a shot blocker, not a big vertical presence, but a huge dude that people don't want to drive at. And the numbers bear that out. Uh, Just like drives to the rim per game with Nurk on the court are down. Uh, That is, um, you can see it with your eyeballs and you can look up the numbers to back up what 
you think? Nurk is a deterrent and a very good, a straight up very good defensive player. Has some limitations. Doesn't do everything well, but is in general a, te- a guy who can prop up a good defense. He's going to get paid like it. Anthony Simons was always going to get money from the Blazers unless something really bizarre happened. He's their guy. They've been trying to make him the guy probably before he was ready. And this year he has this breakout year and has close to two months of being like a borderline all-star type of production. He's at, he's you know 22 years old entering free agency. He's going to get paid. Uh, it'll be curious to me what he makes. I imagine Ant will end up somewhere between the the like 19 and 22 million. I wouldn't be surprised if it's like 18, uh, as low as that. But I, I, I think, I think Ant is well above 15 million bucks. Um, I think he's below 25 million bucks annually. So where he ends up will be, uh, fascinating to me. I think the Blazers are just absolutely going to re-sign those guys. If you don't believe me, Mark Stein reported as much in his newsletter today saying that, um, league sources are telling him that the Blazers are going to, uh, the Blazers are going to re-sign those guys. The tea leaves. You don't need leak sources. You got I mean, you do. Stein's a good reporter. But like the tea leaves have always pointed this way. And the Jeremy Grant trade, that decision to go in that route pointed this way as well. So that's going to be the start of free agency. I imagine sometime on uh, June 30th, we will hear the reports that that has happened. I think it's like, I think it's going to be a day one type of thing because the Blazers want to like lock it down and then keep it moving because then they got to worry about MLE stuff. They got to worry about if they can make some, uh, make some trades because when you look at this roster, it is not good enough. And then Joe Cronin said as much on draft night. The most interesting thing Joe Cronin said on draft night is we know we are not good enough and we have to get better and we have to add better players to this roster. Um, he's not the first GM who sat there for the Trailblazers and said, we've got we've got to get better. Um, he's just the first one to do it recently. He's just the one who's done it most recently. Um, and quite frankly, he has been um, seemingly someone who has been pretty calculated in his move so far. Made some moves to kind of tear it down and get some financial flexibility and then made a move that like fit very snugly into the financial flexibility he created. So if nothing else, you better believe that uh, Joe Cronin's got a plan, but his plan has to involve a trade. Because if you assume that Amphrey Simons, Yusuf Nurkic agreed to deals with the Blazers, which is like a 99.9% chance it's going to happen, just based on, you know, based on the reporting of a plugged in reporter like Stein and based on the sort of basic logic of what has happened with the Trailblazers to this point, that leaves the Blazers with Damian Lord, Amphrey Simons, Josh Hart, uh, Jeremy Grant and Yusuf Nurkic, to be clear, I do not think they're going to start Josh Hart, but those those five, Nazir Little, Justice Winslow, Trendon Watford, Shaden Sharp, Greg Brown III, Didi Luzada, and Keon Johnson. That, just those guys, just those guys, that's 12 roster spots. I'm not including Eric Bledsoe. Eric Bledsoe is either going to get traded and the Blazers, um, the Eric Bledsoe stuff's a little bit tricky trade-wise. The Blazers, because he has a non-guarantee, his contract's for 18.9 million, but his contract is only guaranteed for 3.4 million. So the Blazers have to treat it on an outgoing salary as only three and a half million dollars, but the team that is um, trading with them has to treat it incoming salary as $20 million. It's a little bit tricky. Portland could guarantee his contract and then trade him and, and kind of switch up that math a little bit, but Eric Bledsoe is either going to get traded for something um, with some sweeteners or they're going to let him go and maybe even stretch and waive the $3.4 million just so the hit is a little bit smaller on this year's cap. Uh, but regardless, Eric Bledsoe is not part of the Blazers' future plans. Um, he's, you know, of, of you can just, again, this is just like tea leaves. It's just sort of like basic understanding what the team did. When they made the trades at the break, 
Joe Ingles was part of the team very much so. They brought him in and they met with him and all those things, and he came to Portland a couple different times. Uh, Bledsoe was not around the team. He was he was wherever he went. They let him go do his thing, like you would, I kind of expect them to do with Ingles, but they didn't. Joe Ingles seems like part of the team or part of the future plan, potentially. Eric Bledsoe very clearly not. Just never was part of the plan. As soon as they said that Achilles isn't healthy enough to play, he went about and did his thing, which is like very typical of NBA teams trading for guys like him, entering the final year of his contract in a non-guaranteed contract, etc. And Ingles was, quite frankly, rare the way they treated him. That makes me think that Ingles is probably part of the team to some extent. Um, Portland holds his bird rights. They can sign him to a big old contract. Um, they can, he's, I, I kind of think Ingles is going to be there. That puts the Blazers at 13 with no backup center and a back half of the roster that's Greg Brown and Dita Luzada and Keon Johnson and Shaden Sharp. And even if you think Shaden Sharp's really good and deserves to play 15 minutes a night, he's still a teenager trying to play in the NBA. Um, and he's going to have some, it, you're just you're just going to struggle. It's a it's a league for adults, um, and even if you're among the very very best teens in the league, it's still hard to contribute to like high level winning basketball. I think Sharp can be fine in a low minute role. Um, might even impress. But you, if you're trying to be really good, you just need adults, and Portland desperately needs size. Um, I am not counting free agents. Uh, C.J. Ellaby or Elijah Hughes or uh, conceivably Kelgen Blevins, although he's a two-way guy. All of those dudes the Blazers could conceivably make restricted free agents by extending them qualifying offers. They won't. Uh, Ellaby and Hughes not part of the plan. Uh, Blevins, I he could be, but I don't. I, I do not think this new regime can do the like two-way thing on Dame's cousin. I I just don't think they can. I mean, maybe they will. We'll see. But I I, I don't think they can. Uh, Portland's one of their two-way spots is already spoken for with Brandon Williams. And the name I have not mentioned here is Jabari Walker. If Jabari Walker goes into that other two-way spot, the Blazers will be with 13 roster spots if you include Ingles. If you include Ingles and Jabari Walker, you're talking 14 roster spots, one open roster spot. You only carry 15. One open roster spot heading into the fall. They're just... They still got to use the MLE. That gets you to 15. Like, something's got to give. A trade is coming for the Trailblazers. Free agency starts, and it's going to be a big one, but there's roster movement coming. You can not You can just look at this roster and hear Joe Cronin say, we have to get better. You can see Damian Lillard post pictures of Kevin Durant him on his Instagram. Like, this team is going to take some kind of swing. Uh, is it going to be this giant home run swing? Probably not, but they're going to do something to upgrade the back half of this roster. Absolutely. And they're going to use Eric Bledsoe as almost certainly the catalyst to do so. Um, I don't think anyone outside of your top five um, and Shaden Sharp probably um, almost certainly. So like, I don't think anyone, Dame, Ant, Josh Hart, Jeremy Grant, Yusuf Nurkic, Shaden Sharp, I think those six are probably protected. Everyone else is fair game. Everyone else is fair game. Now, Nazir Little, Justice Winslow, Trenton Watford, Greg Brown, Dede Luzada, Keon Johnson, Jabari Walker, like, and once Walker signs, it's hard to, it's like, you can't really trade uh, rookies unless you don't sign them, blah, blah, blah. We don't get into that mess. But like, is back half of that roster, what does that net you? I think that's a challenge for the Blazers and something I'll be fascinated to see. But Portland needs size. They need another forward. They desperately, like, they need another center, period. Like, they just, they just need another tall person. They need two other centers, quite frankly, on the roster for my money. Um, but 
it's, it's, they're not done. And free agency, they only have so many tools to get better. The way this team's going to get better this summer is through trades. So to answer the question I posed at the beginning of this podcast, how do they get better? They get better using the MLE. They get better using their traded player exceptions. And they get better combining some version of the young guys in the back half of the roster and Eric Bledsoe into something a little bit better. Those are their paths forward. We will talk more as we get, you know, rest of this week as we get closer into free agency on some specific ideas. I wanted to give you some mid-level exception names that they could target. I wanted to give you the path to do so in the timeline when things matter. We got a fun week ahead of us. This time next week will be July 4th. Uh, we'll have, you know, we're going to have shows the rest of the week and um, I'll even have a show on um, 4th of July for you. But that's uh, like, this is a huge week for Portland, huge week for the NBA. Some seismic shifts are happening. happening and if you want to get your your brain wrapped around the seismic shifts with the Blazers perspective. There is no better place to do so than Lockdown Blazers. So come back tomorrow and every single weekday and make this show your first listen every single day. Tell your friends to do the same. I appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.